There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans, welcome to the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. There are so many great players who played the game of hockey over the past few decades, players who made an impact not only on their teammates and fans, but to the sport of hockey itself. On this week's show, we're joined by one of the NHL's premier defensemen who patrolled the blue line for 14 seasons in the National Hockey League, starting back in the 1996-97 season. He played for four different teams, uh, but will best be remembered as an Ottawa Senators, where he is the franchise leader in career plus minus, fourth all-time in games played. The Sens are going to be inducting him into the franchise's ring of honor on December 12th at the Canadian Tire Center. We're talking about Wade Redden. Wade, great to catch up with you again, my friend. I haven't seen you for a little while. How are you doing? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Gino. I'm doing well, and uh, yeah, it's hard to believe. Uh, it's been a long time for sure. It's I think almost a decade since I've laced them up, so it's crazy how time, uh, how quick the time goes. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the crave. Download the 7Now delivery app, and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious crave crushers to your door almost before you can say, fuel me up, Sev. You know the crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just eleven sixty nine. Order a large, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a 2-liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats, 24-7. I was pretty excited to hear about the Ring of Honor. For uh, for hockey fans who may not know what that means, is around the inside of the building, they've got the, the, the ring around the... Um, the inside of the barn and uh, Brian Murray's name's up there, but no player's name has ever been up there. What, how did you find out that you were going up there and what was that like for you? Well, yeah, I was actually sitting in for a meeting as I think you're aware I'm working with the team now and some, doing some player development. So we were just kind of have a regular zoom meetings and, uh, and then Chris Phillips walked in and kind of a, gave me the news that they're going to be doing that. Uh, to recognize my time in Ottawa. So, yeah, that's how I found out. They kind of sprung it on me as a surprise. So I was really excited to hear that and very honored about it, too, just to, to know that, you know, I'll be, I guess, the first player, too, which I guess as a young franchise isn't all that surprising, but certainly lots of guys that are um, deserving to be up there as well. So I was really honored to to get that call. Talk to us about your your role. You worked with the Predators for a little while, and I think it was just this past off season where you signed with the Sens in player development. What does that mean on a day to day basis? Yeah, so player development. You got these kids that are drafted that aren't ready to play pro, or they're going to the minors, I guess, too. But working with the the drafted players, they're down in junior and college, and I'm joining Sean Donovan and Jesse Winchester, who have been doing it for. I guess uh, a number of years now more Sean's been there for almost 10 years, but um, two good guys and just working with these young kids to on their development, whether it's on the ice, off the ice, what to expect, what, what they need to do, you know, and we watch with, watch them work with them and kind of create a relationship. You see these kids come in now and they're, I mean, they're ready to go in a lot of cases, but you know, they, some definitely need work. But when they show up to training camp, I remember going to training camp my first time around and 
you were just like a deer in the headlights almost just because you <laughs> you weren't weren't knowing what to expect. So I think this kind of helps them transition into the the next level and get some feeling a little more comfortable when they when they step into the camp. You had some you talk about the deer in the headlights thing in your first training camps. You had some really weird experiences for the way your NHL career started. First and foremost, you get drafted second overall by the New York Islanders. But then you're involved in this mega deal between the Isles, the Sens, and the Leafs. Was your head spinning when you're like, where am I going to end up here? What's what, what's happening? I thought I was going to be a New York Islander, and now that's not going to happen. Well, yeah, I got – yeah, and it was Brian Burrard who got picked first, and I was the second pick. So there was a lot of talk leading up to the draft um, about us two. And then, sure enough, we got drafted and then traded for each other. But the management changed over on both teams from the time of the draft to I guess we had both gone back to junior our after the draft. So we were uh, in junior, get traded Ottawa. You know, actually it's, I was excited right from day one. I, my agent was Donnie me I remember I didn't really have much information of what was going on, but you talk to different people around and stuff and they just hired Pierre Gauthier, Jacques Martin had just taken over. They got a new rink in Ottawa and by the time I showed up for training camp, I think there's 12 new players on the team. And, uh, you know, we, it was just kind of a fresh start for that team. And I was, you know, pretty lucky to be a part of it. You were also very fortunate in terms of the year, the timing of it in the World Juniors. Uh, you get an opportunity to go to the World Junior Championship in 1995. Canada, I think at that point, had already won two straight. So you guys were on a roll. Was that, now refresh my memory, was 95 not the lockout year where basically everybody got to go to the world junior championship because you weren't playing in the NHL. If I remember the number, right, it was like 13 first round draft picks on that team, Canada in 95. You're probably right. Yeah, there was, it was a great team. I'm Marty Murray. ended I think was a, Oh, him and Jason Allison were the, were the top boards in the tournament. Brian McKay was the top D man. But yeah, it was a lockout. Don't forget to mention Jeff O'Neill because O-Dog will kill me if you oh, don't mention the fact that he was on that team. Goodsy. Right? We called him Goodsy, yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to explain a, that. What's that? I don't, I don't even know. I don't know. That's, oh, okay. I think it was self-proclaimed nickname. But anyways, oh, okay. he, yeah, he was obviously a, a great player. Sean Donovan, who I mentioned before, was on that team. Another first-round pick. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting because I went to the training camp as a 17-year-old. I was undrafted. And there's a few injuries that happened. I think a few guys that played on the team the previous year had gotten down with injuries. So yeah. that kind of opened the door for me. And uh, Don Hay was the coach. We had a great team. He was in Red Deer right in my backyard. So not far from home to, for people, you know, friends and family to see it. So that was, that was an unreal year. And then for sh- obviously the, the lockout ends and all those guys, yeah, probably half the team ended up going to play the NHL after that tournament. So uh, we had a really good team. And then, because you were an underager, uh, you were one of the very rare underagers at that point. You come back in 1996 and play again. Now you're playing with Chris Phillips, uh, Iggy, Jerome McGinley was on that team. That was a stacked team as well. It was, yeah. Well, I think my two years at 13 and 0 was my record. Like we never lost a game those two years. So it was all about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Jason Bottero was. I think that was his third in a row. Like there's guys that. Uh, well, Nolan Baumgartner, another guy. We were there together for two years. Um, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was a obviously a special time, and the World Juniors grown so much since those days. But yeah, Jerome, that was probably the start of the tournament right there. And 
in Boston, a kind of a coming out party. He had just gotten traded himself, I think, to Dallas or from Dallas to Calgary. So he'd kind of gone through what, what I went through. Um, I guess I was a little bit after him to come to think of it, but yeah, um, yeah, really. Yeah. Always team, playing for team Canada. That, that was such a highlight when I look back on, on those days. Yeah. And you also played at the world championships. You got a silver there and the, the world cup, you played in the world cup. You guys won gold there. You went to turn in 06, which is pretty amazing. I mean, internationally, your opportunities to represent Canada were, were really, really successful. Was that something you always, I mean, you didn't always want to be at the world championships because that meant you weren't in the playoffs, but what was that like year after year? And then especially the world cup, what was it like wearing the Canada Jersey at the world cup? Oh, it was amazing. Actually, now that you say it, I remember taking the heat a few times, just jokingly from guys because we had some good teams in Ottawa and then we bowed out early and ended up going to the Worlds. So it was kind of a bittersweet thing for sure in those days. But uh, yeah, it was, I mean, going to, those tournaments are a lot of fun. World Championships, you're there. It's like a three-week tournament, so you get to settle into a place. And we were in, Nor- I went to Norway uh austria germany i mean three beautiful places so that was that was a lot of fun you get to bring a family member over usually friends or family come and join you for the last half and it's uh yeah it 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 ends up being a a great experience what was it about ottawa the franchise because something i noticed about you was it just i mean you're not from the area but for whatever, I mean, you're from Western Canada, right? You're from a yeah. a, a tiny town. What's it? Holden? What's the name of the? Yeah, Hillmont, Saskatchewan. Just Hillmont. How Mitchell, big was yeah. that town? Well, it's. I mean, if you want to talk population, there's probably twenty. I mean, and it's a farming <laughs> community. There's a rink. There's a school. There's a town hall, and then there's whatever handful of homes, or maybe more now. But it's a small town. We grew up probably 10 miles from there we're right in between Lloyd Minster is where kind of everything happens for for that area but yeah it's a small town and then well going to Ottawa and being in Canada like I'd drive to the rink to the cornfields basically in those days the roads have changed a lot now but I'd just cut through the back you wouldn't see a, a traffic light and go into the back back way to the rink so there's actually quite uh yeah I felt pretty comfortable going and doing that all those years and uh it was pretty quiet pretty quiet life in a lot of ways you could find some fun downtown if you wanted to but uh canada was was pretty pretty good that way it seemed to really like just really strike with you because you had opportunities to go other places you had opportunities to go to other teams that maybe were a little at that point a little more financially stable and a little bit more security and stuff but you kept opting to stay there which i which i was really impressed with and being a part of of that building process. I remember because I got to cover your career pretty extensively and, you know, right from the start of it. Um, we'll talk about 07 in a few minutes. Obviously, you got to talk about making all the way to the Stanley Cup final and what you guys did there. But when I look back on on all the teams you had, me personally, I think the best team you ever played on and one of the best sense teams we've ever seen in the modern era was 03. Am I off the mark on that? I've said the same thing. Yeah, no, we, uh, that's the one that, yeah, it still stings when you think about, like we won the president's trophy that year. We go to play New Jersey and it it was a tough, tough loss in game seven. So that was, uh, I think Anaheim was waiting in the final that year too, actually. But uh, it was, 
Yeah, we had Chara Phillips on the back end. I think I was playing with Carl Rakunik. Yeah. Curtis Decision. You had Alfie. Bonk, oh, yeah, Alfie. Oh, Hosa Bonk. Arvid. Yeah. Was Arvidsson still there, I believe? Yeah, yep. he was there. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you go Martin Havlat. He would have started by then. Geez. Yeah. He was just young. But yeah, no, we, you know what? That series, we go up one nothing then we kind of lay an egg in game two and then games three and four back in jersey we you know we couldn't get going either we were just i mean obviously you know what jerseys have been able to do over the years at that time yeah. of year so they kind of took it to us or just kind of shut us down and then we really rallied i mean i remember john muckler coming in the room between game four and game five and kind of really set the tone of why we weren't we weren't you know uh the discipline wasn't there, not so much even penalties, but just the way we weren't playing our game. And then, man, we had a great game five. We overtime game six. And and then it just came down to that last two minutes. And we, we they just got, you know, credit to them. Obviously, they, they stuck with it too. But it was such a close, close series. It was such a great run. We're in conversation with one of the greatest Ottawa Senators of all time, Wade Redden. This is the 7-11 Overtime Podcast. I'm Gino Retta. So a uh, couple of years later, you get another opportunity. Now it's, it's 07. You beat the Pens. You beat the Sabres. You beat the Devils. And what was really amazing to me was not only did you beat them, you thumped them. You only lost one game in each of those series. Like, what was that like on those rolls for you? Yeah, it was, uh, well, I mean, it was, yeah, things were going well. Ray Emery was in net. He was, he was playing unbelievable. Um, and obviously we were riding Alfie was kind of leading the way offensively with Heatley and, and Spez, uh, and then really a big, big key, I think in those series was our defense. And I think Philip Philly and Volchenkov, I don't think they left the ice too much come power whenever we were killing yeah. a penalty. I don't think either of them even had a point all, all playoffs or close to none, but you know, they were just a solid, solid force for us. And, and we just found ways to win. We had big goals at different times from remember Joe Corvo got an overtime goal. Yeah. Oleg Saprinkin got a game winner against Buffalo. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a fun, fun ride. And again, looking <clears throat> where we come up short, is, it's disappointing to think about it too when you, when you sit back and look because we were so close again and we came up against, I guess, another team led by... Scott Niedermeyer, which is a tough, you know, a guy that knows how to win. And they, you know, they just, we never got going against them either. You were an incredible leader on that team. And it didn't take long for, for the team, the organization, coaching staff and management to figure out the kind of leadership you could offer. You got the A, what was it like your second or third year on the club? What was that like when they came to you and said, uh, Wade, we see you as a leader on this team. We see you as a long-term part of this and we want you to show the way. Well, that's a huge honor, obviously. I mean, I grew up as, you know, a top player on my team and I wore the A in junior. And I think it was just a natural, I guess, a natural thing. I, you know, played lots as, you know, as a young guy, we had a young team and I, you know, I, that's something that I always took pride in as being a good teammate and kind of leading by example and uh, making sure everyone's together and, and everyone's on the same page. So that's, that's certainly something that I felt, was a key to success and, and everyone feeling good about themselves. And I, I tried to 
tried to do that by treating everyone the right way. So that's, that's part of my leadership I felt I brought and, uh, and just having fun. I think you look at those teams and we've, there's been lots of talk or I've thought about it a lot for sure. Just, you know, the group that we had with, I guess, Alfie stepped in as captain, maybe my fourth year and then Phillips. I mean, just guys that kind of grew together and it kind of became our team, that core of guys. And then we added, you know, people like Spez later Heatley came a little later. We had Chris Kelly, Antoine Vermette, all these guys, not to mention, uh, you know, Fish and Neeler. When those guys came on our team, our team really took a step forward. So it was those, you know, such a close knit group. And, you know, I was probably one of the older guys by that time. So, um, you know, it was, it was something that I, you know, wanted to do well. I wanted to perform well and I wanted to make sure I was doing the right things as a leader. Speaking of doing the right things, one of the things that stood out, and I remember we used to have camera shots up there every game. We always made sure we caught this, and you know where I'm going with this. Uh, Wade's World, where you would um, book the suite at, back then it was called Scotiabank, and you would, you know what? I don't even want to tell the story. You tell tell our audience what that was all about. Well, that was, uh, that was actually right from my, halfway through my first year, it was, you know, being a young guy in the, in Ottawa and kind of seeing myself being there for a long time. I envisioned that and I wanted to kind of get a part of the community and, and I've always enjoyed kids. I have three of my own now and um, love being around kids. And we, we had to get a chance every year. It's a Christmas visit to the children's hospital of Eastern Ontario. And uh, I think there'd been, you know, I wasn't the first one to do it ever in the league, but there's been, you know, when the idea came up that I could, get a suite for the game for a child from Chio and a parent or guardian to come every game. So I started doing that my first year and I continued right through my whole career. And that was looking back now on the, you know, the memories and the effect, I guess <clears throat> you have on some of these kids. It's maybe don't think about it too much at the time. Obviously I enjoyed seeing them and you know what they're going through, but looking back and getting to meet some kids that went through there, that are doing well now and have, you know, had a memory from that, that day. It's, it means a lot to me now. And actually just, you know, talking about going in the ring of honor and stuff and what that means. And my kids weren't around at all when I was playing in Ottawa. So for them, for me to share this kind of history with them, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of cool for them to, to see all that too. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the crave. Download the 7 Now delivery app and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious Crave Crushers to your door almost before you can say, fuel me up, Sev. You know the Crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just $11.69, order a large hot from the oven in minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a two liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7. Something that, that really impressed me was you didn't just pay for the box and have the kids sit up there. You were a part of it, which which I think is important for our audience to understand. You, you interacted with these kids. You got to know these kids. I think at some point you would go up and visit them or bring them down to the room you must have developed some pretty incredible relationships through doing that. Yeah, I know. I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it. Just, um, but <clears throat> yeah, there's there's a lot of kids that I can you know 
haven't been in close contact with, but have kept in touch with. And uh, yeah, I'd, at the start, I think I'd go up top to, to see them and then started bringing them down to the room. And I always enjoyed, I mean, the kids have such, I mean, I remember being that age too and getting a chance to go into the Oilers room as a lucky six-year-old. So to see their energy and to feel their energy and to kind of visit with them and have a few laughs with them, I always, always really loved doing that. And you've used the opportunity to kind of speak and send a message to some kids. And, and I want to give you the opportunity here to say whatever you'd like on this. Uh, one of the quotes, I think I, I read your involvement as your background in the Métis community and uh, mental health in general. You said, sometimes you think you're the only one going through what you're going through. If I could go back to my younger self and go back to those days, I would say to be open and honest, talk about your feelings, have someone you can trust and rely on expand on those words for me and, and tell me what that means to you and why that's so important to get that message out there. Well, when I look back as a young guy, I mean, that's what are we looking at? Almost 30 years, 25 plus yeah. that I started playing in, a, in Ottawa. And then, yeah, I was a quiet guy and I look back now and there, there was times in my career where, I would have really benefited if I would have just been open and honest and talked to someone about things. And I'd, I was always looking to the next game and looking to, you know, my performance was such a big thing. So I think sometimes some of that other lifestyle or whatever stuff kind of, I'd put it aside, but looking back um, and living my life and, and learning what I have, I mean, there's no shame. There's no harm. I mean, the more you the talk about it, the, the more comfortable you feel with it because they're usually, yeah, you feel like you're the only one going through something. And usually in many cases in hockey, everyone's feeling the same things and experience the same things in a lot of ways. And um, so I just think it really takes a burden off if you can, you know, express that, get it off your chest. And I, I think you see that now with kids there, they talk more about things. They're open about, you know, what they're going through. And that, I think that really, that really ultimately helps them perform better on the ice too. So it frees them up, frees their mind up. And I think that, that at the end of the day, you, you're a happier person. We're in conversation with Wade Redden, one of the greatest Ottawa senators of all time, getting set to go into the ring of honor, um, a Canadian tire center, just the first player ever to be given that honor. This is the seven 11 overtime podcast. I'm Gino Retta. Uh, you're in development now you're in player development Wade. and from the time i got into the industry for the time you came into the game itself to where we are right now dramatic changes in what we understand now that the young player needs and maybe doesn't even know they need in the initial stage it was then catches on you're in player development how important is that and what more can we be doing for the young player who's stepping into the game right now like let me ask you specifically, how important is that part of your role to make sure that these guys are having their mental health needs met as well as they're learning to skate, they're learning to handle the puck, they're learning all those things. We're all really good about those things. But how important is it that we're we're checking up on them and saying, what else can we do for you? What else do you need? Yeah, that's huge, very important. I, Yeah, most of these kids don't need a lot of help. I mean, obviously there's details in the game that – uh that they work on skill and performance is, is pretty, they got a pretty good handle on that stuff. But I just to kind of go back on my, 
what I was saying before and even, you know, what a young guy can do. Like I remember as a young guy, you know, the pressure can get to you. you you're yeah. trying to perform. You're maybe not dealing with things properly. I remember even my mom grabbing me one time and pulling me aside and saying, I don't know, I was, I was probably treating them, whatever. I was grumpy or they came to visit and whatever. She just recognized something was going on. So I ended up talking to a counselor in Ottawa and she helped me set facilitate that and just uh and that was a huge a huge help for me so so now when I look at young guys I think that's the key for us probably is to to create a relationship to get to know them realize how they operate um what they need I mean they got a lot of I think there's lots of resources now around and if if they have lots and and or if they need anything like that's kind of what we're there for but we're watching them and we're seeing how they perform and usually things prop up on the ice which maybe a little more uh, evident at that point when you can see they're maybe not quite all there. Or if you're talking to them, they can kind of relate and we try to make them feel comfortable. So they're open about, you know, all this stuff. And that, you know, like you said, there's such an onus on, on the mental side of things that I think kids are, are feeling more comfortable about opening up. So that's, that, that makes me feel good about, about where that's heading. To be honest with you, Wade, one of the first thoughts that came to my mind is you started to share the story about your mom and, and how you were feeling. And then the fact that you went to a counseling, I'm like, good for you, man. Good for you that, that you did that, that you took those steps. But almost more importantly, good for you that you're saying that on a format like this. Because I can't help but think the impact that has on a kid and goes, man, like him, like he needed this. That was important for him. And he's willing to talk about this. Does that does that encourage you that that? maybe if you're speaking like this on a platform like this, that it opens up the doors for other kids coming behind you to kind of do the similar thing. I think so. I, and I even, there's people, there's a guy I talked to in Kelowna, even these days, like life is not easy. I mean, it, there's always something going on and um, you know, whatever issues you're facing, whatever story you're telling yourself. I mean, usually it's, it's always good to kind of get a, a different perspective on it, right? Like, like I said, I'm a quiet guy and I can internalize things. Usually my wife has been great for me because she's is quick to pick up on things too. And usually will yeah. chip it out of me one way or another, but um, you know, we've had, but we've had a counselor here in, in uh, Kelowna too, that has, you go in there and you talk about things and, you know, they're a little less significant after the fact because, you know, you talk about it, maybe get an idea or perspective. And, and yeah, if there's people listening that, that are kind of spinning their wheels in their between their ears and, and things are going on and they're confused and, and don't feel good. I mean, just talking about it can, can do wonders. You mentioned it before. I want to follow up on it. The fact that so many things you wish you knew back then that, you know, now, uh, do you often wonder how that could have affected your path? Had you been as mentally healthy today, the way you're feeling today back then? Well, yeah. I mean, I'd even say I'm, it's a constant. You're always, there's life is kind of has its ups and downs no matter what stage you're at. But yeah, I would have, uh, I was doing the best I could at that time. I yeah. felt, and you kind of, your path. Yeah. You, but yeah, for sure, you learn over time, right? And yeah. and things happen, and you kind of realize. And you know, I don't know if it if I was nineteen in two thousand twenty two, if I things would be any different or not. I don't know. Like, 
but you kind of learn as you go. And that's, that's kind of the, the journey that everyone's on. And, uh, but yeah, if I could change a few things, yeah, I would, I would have been a little more open. Yeah. And I think you just try to guard, I think what I would try to do, I just try to guard myself a bit. I was always focused and, and hockey was kind of, was everything to me. And I just, you know, was focused on, on playing and making sure I was performing and, um, and stuff like that. But yeah, there's, there's different ways to go. And I think a little more balance in life can, can do wonders. So. Is it nice to still be in Ottawa right now where you impacted so many people to kind of see, you know, getting back to, to Wade's world and the impact you had on those kids um, and then younger guys in the organizations, how rewarding is it to see the people whose lives you've at, you have touched over the years from something as simple as, yeah, I remember watching you play to something as, yeah, you, you did some special stuff for me as a kid when I was in the hospital or for one of my kids. Is it nice that you still get to relive those moments with people, especially now that you're going to the ring of honor and people can bring up those great stories? Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I've had a chance to go back to Ottawa a bunch of times now since I've retired and it's, it's the same. Yeah. It's, it's a very passionate fan base and there's a lot of people that that still remember those days. It's been 14 years since I wore the Jersey, but uh, there's lots of great memories from those days. And, and yeah, it was a young fan base too. So we we're kind of the first generation really of, of some of these kids growing up, getting a chance to cheer for the senators. And we had some, you know, some fun times and everyone kind of was a part of it. So, you know, whether it was uh, the kids from Chio or just fans on the street, like I said, it was a, you know, Canada was a pretty small place. So we all lived out there and you'd see people all over town and you'd, people would know you. So it was, you it can't was really get away fun. from anything, man. <laughs> no, no. From the grocery store to every restaurant you go in. I mean, everyone yeah. knew you and you're part of the community, which, which is what I loved about it too. So it was, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of great fans, a lot of great friends that, uh, you know, I brought up, you know, got, got to meet and got to, got to see over the years there. You, um, we were talking about 03 and one of the greatest teams the Sens experienced in the modern era. That was also a time where the, the, the organization was going through bankruptcy and it went through some real tough times. How were you able to focus on what was going on? You're wearing the A, you're trying to keep the team focused on what's going on, on the ice. At the same time, you're like, uh, guys, the NHL is just sending money to keep us afloat at that point. That must have, <laughs> that must have really made your head spin, man. Oh, yeah. Do you know what the, the cool thing about it was, uh, so Rod Bryden was, you know, was the owner at the time, but he was, he came right in and faced us man to man and said, this is the situation. This is what's happening. You're going to get yeah. paid. I think it was delayed there once or twice. And, um, but no, I think the way he was, I think guys really respected that. And he, he did the best he could and did a lot of great things for Ottawa. And then, when Eugene Melnick came in, I mean, that brought a lot of excitement to the team. Yep. He came in and, and infused and injected a lot of, a lot of life, a lot of money and, and a lot of uh, hope. And I think that was, that was a real cool time to be a part of. And um, I think that's one thing I'll really take away from, from uh, Mr. Melnick's days was those early ones, uh, the way the team, you know, there was a lot of momentum building and, and he was a big part of it. How cool is it now to be back working for the organization, to be honored in the organization the way you're about to? And you're like, you know what? This team may be owned by Ryan Reynolds pretty soon. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's a lot of interest right now in this organization. 
Well, I know, and it's exciting. Yeah, they've, uh, yeah, and they're talking about a new building and stuff like that that I think is going to happen at some point. Um, and yeah, there's good young prospects and players that are on the team right now. So I think there's a lot of excitement, a lot of uncertainty too, like you said, with ownership and, and what's going to happen. But yeah, when Ryan Reynolds' name gets thrown around, that's got everyone on, uh, on high alert and, and excited. And that would really, you know, again, infuse a lot of uh, excitement and, and stuff like that, which I think is what it needs there. It'd be nice to be a part of that, wouldn't it? It will be, uh, I guess we'll see how, <laughs> if they want to keep us around after it all said and done, that'd be great. But, uh, it's fun, fun to be back there and, uh, on this side of it too, like to be a part of the team and be at training camp and, uh, back in the old rink. So a lot of the, a lot of similar faces too, when you, when you go back, Allison Vaughn's still there, Aaron Robinson, a guy that it was a big part of things there too. So, I mean, these people have been around for a long time since I played there and before. So, um, you know, they, uh, they're looking for some, some bright days ahead too. As we wrap up, let me ask you, what do you, what do you want to do? Given your choice, if ownership, new ownership comes in and it's going to cost them large, it looks like they're going to have to pay over a billion dollars, which blows me away. When you yeah. think of an organization that Eugene Melnick came in and bought at pennies on the dollar, that almost went belly up. And that was just in 03. That wasn't that long ago. Now it's worth over a billion bucks. What do you want to do? Do you, do you like, I mean, right now you're in player development, you're working with the kids one-on-one and such. Do you want to be behind the bench? Do you want to be in management? Where do you see yourself going? Well, that's something I've asked myself too. And it's, it's a hard one to answer because right now this, this job and what I'm doing is kind of a perfect balance like I talked about before I'm at home I got three young kids that are all playing hockey so I feel like I'm at the rink more than I some days or some weeks more than I was when I was a senator but um, so I'm getting a chance to travel and getting a chance to be a part of the team and which is something I really enjoy Um, but time will tell I mean for sure I don't the next handful of years to jump in and be a coach or try to go down that path I think that's a big big step as far as you know commitment and stuff like that so I think I'm I'm very fortunate to be doing what I'm doing um to be to stay part of the team yeah I'm definitely have interest to to stick around and and see where I kind of fit in and and whether it's keep doing what I'm doing I do enjoy that so that's kind of my focus right now but um it's exciting because yeah there's there's going to be some changes there's going to be you know kind of a new a new turning, a new era, I guess, about to embark when this new owner takes over. So it'll be exciting to see where it goes. Wait, I got to tell you, it's been great catching up with you, man. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching your entire career. I, I love what you're doing now post-career as a player and involved in management, but especially touching for what you did over the years with Wade's World and so much appreciate your openness and honesty to talk about uh, your own personal journey and, and hope that impacts some kids who are maybe listening to this that maybe free them up to say, if, if a giant, like a guy like Wade Redden can do this, maybe I can do this too. Thank you so much for being so open with, with us. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great to catch up with you, Gino. And I've got the, obviously got to see you lots from, my, from this side of the TV, but uh, I always, uh, yeah, appreciate that respect what you've been able to do and, and appreciate you having me on here because as far as that message goes, yeah, we got to keep, keep that, uh, 
keep that mindset going and keep that message going. And it's not nothing to be ashamed of because um, everyone, like you said, is fighting something. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. That was former Ottawa Senator and the newest Ring of Honor inductee, Wade Redden. The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot from the oven pizza and wings, pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, and a loaf of bread from the 7Now app and Team 7-Eleven. We'll have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the crave. Download the 7Now delivery app, and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious crave crushers to your door almost before you can say... Fuel me up, Sev. You know the crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just $11.69, order a large hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a 2-liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7.